Hey, it's Bill Smith from the Classic Camera Revival, and I've got a really special guest on tonight, or this morning, or afternoon, depending where you are in the world. Uh, we've got Gary Clannon, who is also known on Instagram as Calgary Street, and Lensmedic YYC. And we're going to talk all things gear, camera repair, photography in general. But before we get there, let's roll the theme. Welcome to the Classic Camera Revival, coming to you from the Greater Toronto Hamilton region of Ontario, Canada. If you don't have gear acquisition syndrome now, you most likely will by the end of the episode. We're back. So tonight we got Alex, James, and of course our special guest Gary. Gary, welcome to the Classic Camera Revival. How you doing? I'm doing great. First off, thank you so much for having me on board. Um, I've been a longtime listener of your podcast and super excited. Yeah, I've been following your work on both negative positives and uh, Instagram for oh god, a couple of years now. And I never, I it sort of just it, it, the connection came to me that you were also lens medic YYC. Yeah. Before we start talking about your your adventures in camera repair, let's talk how you got into film photography in the first place. Yeah, um, I don't really have one of these flashy, interesting stories about how I got into things, but um, basically, growing up, there's there was always kind of cameras around and nearby at my either my parents' place or my grandparents' place or wherever we we may have been. A lot of Polaroid cameras and kind of the point and shoots, and I was always interested in it. And then um, uh, fast forward a bit, and for my high school graduation, I had a gift from my parents, which is some sort of a Pentax SLR. I'm not exactly sure what model it was, but um, a few years after that, uh, my my wife uh, dropped it in in the bottom of a river during a canoe trip. So uh, <laughs> I had about a, a ten year hiatus after that, and um, then I picked it up again, and boy, I just took off and super excited, and uh, and got kind of addicted with things, and and it just carried forward year after year from that point forward. So what's uh, you, you kind of shoot across formats? So. Um you shoot everything from 35 millimeter up to, to four by five. Which, which one do you go with and when, uh, when you're out going out for a shoot? Yeah, that's a good question, Bill. Um, basically if it's something, if portability is a, a factor, um, with more kind of, I guess you could say fast pace shooting, mm-hmm. I certainly gravitate towards the 35 millimeter cameras. Um, if it's just a usual outing for me, I will almost always go for the medium format uh, mm. cameras. Um, and then if, if I have the data myself with nobody else to pester me or, or hurry me along, I'll go with my large format or large format and medium format. I kind of mm. I tend to like the, the larger format negatives. Okay. Yeah. So, um, oh boy, that's a tough one. Cause it's sort of like one of those sort of wide ranging, um, conversations because it's sort of like uh, part of me also um what i really like about your photography is you're exploring the canadian prairies Mm -hmm. like i've especially i've seen some of your stuff i think it's western saskatchewan is your family from out that neck of the woods no no the stuff you see from from saskatchewan i've been posting recently is um from a road trip i did out there last uh well geez i guess two years ago now um in the summertime uh i went out for about a week just kind of road tripping around with Mm -hmm. i had some kind of milestones i wanted to see and some some cities i wanted to visit but i just kind of didn't have too many plans just explored all the different back streets Mm -hmm. and side streets of these towns and back gravel roads that you have no idea where they're going to end up yeah and just had just had a great time saskatchewan is a highly underrated province in canada it is is a lot more interesting photographically than people give it credit for isn't that the truth though because you you know the natural like sort of first thought with saskatchewan is just kind of flat you know prairie lands and things like that but like that's kind of like a canvas for so many cool things i think when you look mm. at photography from the prairies like i have a real interest in seeing the old grain mills and uh 
the silos and just like the just the expanse of the prairies is just something to behold in and of itself, right? So you would yeah. love Claybank, James. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a historic um, brick factory. Oh, that cool. they've kind of sort of restored in situ and sort of left it abandoned. But it's a national historic site, so it's perfectly legal for you to, mm. you know, pay the entrance fee and go in. Excellent. Oh, nice. Yeah, Saskatchewan's a great province. It's just so friendly too and laid back. Yeah. Um, you'll find yourself visiting those locations and and taking pictures, and then either the owners or somebody will come up and chat with you, and and there goes an hour of chit chatting with people, yeah. and and you go on to the next spot. So that's all mm. part of the adventure, and I happen to kind of love those conversations that are oh. unplanned. That's, I mean, that's really the best part about just having a good wander with your camera, isn't it? It's like you, you know, not only do you get the scenery, but you get to really meet like some real salt of the earth people. And I find mm. it's very, like kind of a very similar mindset, like in the prairies and the Maritimes in Canada, like, you know, yes. you get into the, like the Montreal's, Toronto's and Vancouver and, you know, everybody's kind of in a rush with nowhere to go and, you know, curious but like in not in not so much a positive way when you've got a camera in your hand but like you know you talk to some of the folks in the maritimes and the prairies and um even in the west coast as well and and northern parts of alberta uh, even and really the southern parts of alberta too uh people are just a lot more um outgoing i find it's just it's just a pleasant experience then you come back kind of learning something and it for me, it like it, it adds context and you know relevance and meaning to the photography. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely, it's all part of the package. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, another part of your uh, facet is again lens medic YYC, and you've sort of become, in some regards, a rather regarded repair tech. Uh, I've uh, chatted with a fellow Canadian film photographer, Jake Rose, who, you know, he's, he waxes lyrical about your work. I've sent some stuff to you actually worked on a Canon F1 second version for me. And it, it, it runs like a dream. Uh, so oh, good, to yeah. hear. How, good to hear. How did you get into it? And again, repair techs are kind of um, sadly a dying breed. Like here, we recently lost a factory train Hasselblad tech, uh, so it's kind of like they're getting up there in years. So what got you into it? Yeah, so I guess I've always been kind of a tinkerer at heart, um, kind of the type of person that likes to try and fix things. Sometimes, you know, it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But <laughs> it's kind of part of my personality. So that's kind of what's been ingrained in me from early years. Um, and then I guess over the past uh, eight-ish years, I've started repairing um friends cameras my own cameras I found that I had quite a few and I I really couldn't afford to send them out so I I learned how to do some of the work myself some of the basic stuff like replacing light seals and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing just kind of easy stuff to to save some money and uh that kind of grew um and then I guess over the past I would say two years I really started picking up a lot a lot of work um, doing this in the evenings and weekends, and I was laid off for a short period of time. So that was my my main job was repair tech. So I learned a lot, um, and it's just uh, something I love. I, I love the challenge. I, I love learning new things, um, diving into those service manuals, figuring out how these cameras operate and function, diagnosing these problems, getting them all fixed up and, and cleaned up for another you know thirty years. It's it's a great feeling. Well, that's cool because that's one thing we dire we are in dire need as younger. Well, we're we're all about the same age here, give or take. So it's like um, it's I was <laughs> relatively youngish camera repair tech. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I'm looking at the uh, the Zoom uh, board here, and I'm like, oh my gosh, everybody's kind of in the same age bracket here. We actually get to call Alex the baby today. Yeah. <laughs> the last few episodes, we've had like a few uh, sort of millennial uh, crowd uh, in here, which is really a very, they have a very cool perspective as well. But uh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's refreshing to, uh, I'm talk, a to Xer. talk to some folks that I share some gray hairs with. So, you know. <laughs> well, even though technically I'm a millennial, I do associate a lot with Gen X. Exactly. Yes. Yes. You're, you're like an honorary Gen Xer, man. 
just like John is. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. So um, I've noticed you've um, you've been sort of like pairing a variety of different brands of cameras. Which ones do you tend to gravitate towards? Uh, or you'd, you'd like it if people would send you as you know, because I know there's some you like working on, and there are others that are kind of like. Yeah. Oh my God. I don't want to touch this. <laughs> yeah. I don't, uh, I don't know if I really gravitate towards any, but there's certainly a few models that I, I tend to enjoy working on more than others. And some of those are kind of the earlier, earlier versions of SLRs, like kind of the first gen, um, all mechanical, maybe mm. a simple, simple light meter, perhaps like, you know, the, the Nikon Fs, uh, the Canon F1s. Right. FTBs, A1s, um, that sort of thing. The Rolleiflex, cords I really like. They're they're quite a challenge in themselves. Um, oh, that's and, good to know. Good to yeah, know. That's good to know. Do you replace the uh, the bright? Uh, do you replace the screens as well? Yes. Yeah, I certainly do. I've done quite a few of those. Oh. I think my Rolleiflex might be headed your way for a CLA then. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, mine should the, mine should get one soon also. Yeah, the, yeah, the new uh, the new uh, screens make quite a difference. Um, I didn't know, but most mostly all the the Rolleiflexes um, are are fairly dim. I thought the newer models uh, started getting a bit brighter as they progress, but they keep dim up until I think the latest model, if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, uh, I, I found it dim. I I found uh, well, actually I think I I bought. I don't know where it came from, but it was one of the uh, sort of acute matte versions, not a super expensive one that I bought from one of the Toronto film shooter members. And um, even like for a low cost, uh, brighter screen, it's a world of difference. I find with the Rolly flex. Well, I've got like two, 3.5 models, an E and an F and the F I traded my Hasselblad system with Brian Kiparici and he had this, 3.5 F planar with type three and it had a bright screen in it. I don't know whose it was, but my 3.5 E has the original and it's dim. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, blaming the, I'm blaming the camera rather than my old aging eyes. So yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I'm at that point. I'm, I'm sort of in the same way. Cause the E is probably due for some love. Uh, as soon uh it works fine but it's like yeah the screen's a little dim and yeah 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 i've got a um kind of an arrangement set up with rick olson he's kind of oh, the, good. Oh, yeah. the main go-to guy for me and we, yeah. we kind of combine uh shipments and stuff to save a bit of cost and okay. if customer customers have their own or they prefer a different version we can we can go hunting for one and, and see okay. what's out there yeah because yeah, i've got a rolling cord four that's got a really dim screen yeah <laughs> I recently bought a Maxwell screen for my um, my Linhoff, which is oh, absolutely nice. incredible. Very expensive, though. But um, it's funny. I, I really um, I didn't even think of Rick Olson because I, I had I had heard of him before, but I wasn't too familiar. But um, you, I, I gather you're you're happy with uh, with the product that he uh, puts out. Yeah, yeah. I think it's kind of a perfect balance of price and, and brightness, yeah. I guess you could say. Um, yeah. Recently, I had, I'm kind of refurbishing a, a speed graphic so I can use my, an, an old brass Petzval lens I bought. Oh, nice. nice. Um, so mm -hmm. I've got that almost done and I ordered a, a screen from him that he custom cut to replace the ground glass and it just drops mm. in place. Same thickness, same focus registration. Oh. Good to go. And what a difference. Oh, that, yeah, that's incredible. It just changes the like the usability of these old cameras when you get these bright uh, 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 ground glass and viewfinders and things like that for them. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. So, in your in your repair business, like, have you ever had to like kind of throw in the towel on any repair jobs? Any interesting horror stories for us? Um, not a horror. story. Stories, I guess, but yeah, there's been a couple that I've I've had to decline once you get pretty deep into things and and realize it's like a, a complex, I guess, electrical issue is kind of yeah. one of the challenges. Mm -hmm. um, reading those electrical schematics and troubleshooting all the individual components on the yeah. board and all the solder oh. connections and the wiring it's really challenging to to chase down those problems yeah and then, <laughs> and then even if you find the problem just getting the component i imagine might be a 
That's the other thing. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of gets to a point where, where the customer's not really willing to buy a replacement camera and I, I don't happen to have a parts body and, and it's just, yeah. like, okay, well, yeah. I, I guess we're done here. But yeah. I had to do that once on a laptop, trace down exactly what the problem was, yeah. <laughs> why this, why this laptop wasn't booting. Yeah. And it was a little tiny relay, little tiny relay that the customer had snapped off when he tried to open up the laptop himself. Oh yeah. And that relay really, really tiny, but it would flip down whenever the case was put on. Okay. Uh, It would allow the computer to boot. Uh, Yeah. Funny one. And it would have cost over a thousand dollars to get it fixed from Lenovo. Ouch. Crazy. Eesh. I refuse to even entertain the idea of it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's funny. Sure. I had an Icon F3 I sent to another highly regarded repair tech uh, who's east of us in uh, Quebec City. You, you did what, Bill? Can you repeat that? Well, it was an F3, <laughs> and it was the LCD readout. Should we, should and, we boot him from yes. the call? Gary, what do you think? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That, that was, <laughs> it was probably... Prior, yeah. It was prior to using you. The problem is, it's like, and this guy is really good, and... <laughs> But it's just when you get the F3 and the LCD screen was fading out. Yeah. It's like. That's pretty, pretty technical repair, that one. Yeah. He did the best he could. But in the yeah. end, it's just sort of like, look, I'll send yeah. it back to you. It's like, and on the yeah. F- F3s it, can be a challenge for sure. And it's just sort of like I had two F3s now down to one working F3. And I'm okay with that because I turned around and picked up another meter head and created a black F2 AS. Yeah. And those I know will work. And it just sort of comes down to, it's like, you got to find the repair techs who are comfortable working on certain camera bodies. And for and sure. Also have like a, a, a part supply pipeline. Like, yeah. Like silver Wong is the guy for F2s, but he's also custom building ring resistors. Oh man. Wow. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Like I, that's what I see on his site. I just wish he would sell to other repair tax. Yeah, there's you know there's a time and a place for these kind of high tech, uh, highly automated type cameras. Mm. Um, but geez, when I when I open up a kind of all mechanical, old school type design, you just look at it and you're like, this thing is engineered so well. It's such mm. an efficient design. The way things move and operate and latch and release, it's just so smooth and. There's no extras really. It's just all everything serves a purpose. So yeah. it's pretty amazing a, back in the day. Yeah, that's the problem. I think I think things started getting really complicated from probably the mid to late 1980s onwards. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because that's when sure. it's like the autofocus revolution happened. And then again, it's like yeah, they Micron F4, of- and it's like again, LCD readouts, <laughs> once they go, they're gone and you got a paperweight. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, which is a shame because that happened to my F4. And, you know, if I could find the parts, it's finding someone who wants, who's willing to work on it. And most of them are just like, nope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are there any uh, any camera bodies in your experience, Gary, that you would tell people to either stay away from or maybe, hey, you know what, these these ones are usually a good uh, a good choice or is there are they just kind of all over the board? There's a few. I mean, <clears throat> I've seen a lot of issues with the Minolta SLRs, like the more kind of, I don't know, mid-range, like the, I think it's XG, um, mm-hmm. even the X700s. And this isn't only just the, the famous capacitor issues. It's kind of the electronics on those don't seem to be aging very well. Oh, interesting. So a lot of little gremlins I'm seeing kind of poke up with, with the Minolta line. Um, yeah, like a I, lot of I, oxidation on the circuit boards and things like that. Yeah, and like um, you know, simple things like cracked solder connections, um, you know, broken broken flex cable and stuff, which is just a pain to repair. If I don't know if you've had the pleasure to to try and repair flex cable, but it is it is a pain in the butt. Well, I can tell you one time I tried to repair um, a camera, and then I bought another parts camera to try to repair the camera that I uh, started to repair. Then I ended up with a bag full of three cameras. Um, <laughs> yes. All and now it's in the yeah. hand of uh, Matt Betchberger. Yeah. Oh, nice. So, yeah, that, and I'm a fairly handy guy, like fairly, I'm a tinkerer as well, too. But I think in my old age, I've lost the uh, patience required to work on small, uh, 
small mechanical devices and electronics uh-huh. and things now. So, oh yeah. But uh, yeah, so <laughs> kudos to you, man. Like that, that takes uh, a special kind of mind to have that patience and knowledge. So yeah, that's, patience is a is a key for sure. That's interesting. At Minolta Electronics, <laughs> are a little buggy because I have like three XD11s, an X700, and an X570. And again, the X700 is an early production model that was made in Japan. Mm-hmm. So it's probably got better quality control than the Chinese made models. Um, yeah, works okay with me. Yeah. Yeah. But it's again, not like across the board. It, it depends if it's been, I guess, cared for in the environment. It was well cared like for. In. Like literally, the, for some reason, X700's mm-hmm. fine. <clears throat> hey, Bill, yeah, it's a good camera. camera. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. Uh, sure. And it's like, I get handed it and it's like, oh, okay. And, I don't know. Uh, I've gifted one to uh, a friend recently because it's like, I don't need two X700s. I've got the 570 I bought off uh, another film photography podcaster who's now based in the Carolinas. And it's just like he was cleaning a house. So I got it for like 80 bucks Canadian delivered to my door. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a a lot, of this, a lot of the condition of these electronic cameras, I think, you know, it really depends. The a lot, I, I'm thinking a, a lot on the environment in which they were stored. Oh, so, you know, exactly. You, you, get a, you get a camera that was in the hands of a photographer who lived on one of the coastlines and you get that salt yeah. air and, you know, exactly. like you, you want to buy your cameras from, from, from Arizona, I think, if you can <laughs> find them. But, uh, you know, I think, or, yeah, or Saskatchewan. Or Saskatchewan for that. But I think the big question is, looking at some of the, when you're looking at used cameras, it's like your first thought, where was it stored? And, you know, I I remember once buying a black Pentax KX off someone and I I since I would trade it out for something else a few years back, Mm -hmm. but I had to get it overhauled because A, it smelt weird. (laughs) Yeah, those those little um, pentax. And it like smelled the, weird, even though it's like from Arizona. But I have a feeling it was in somebody's crawl, either someone someone's attic, attic crawl space, or mm-hmm. they they store them in the basement somewhere. And when I hear basement, it's like, <laughs> how dry is that basement? Yeah, a dehumidifier down there. Yeah, uh, for sure. You know, just yeah, little lo- things like that. You kind of stop and going, okay, where was this? And Oh, you're from Ireland. Okay. <laughs> Not to, to dump on Irish film photographers, but it's a pretty damp climate. Do you have a, was this in a dry box of some kind? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Same thing with like Asia. It's like, I, you have to look through, read, read the description very carefully and read between the lines. Even after they're translated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the Emmys and uh, Emmy Supers and MXs have an issue with the little rubber bushings on the um, mirror return dampers. Um, such a simple little teeny part that was just not made of the right material, and it just turns gooey and, and rubbery and causes the uh, the mirror to stick up. Oh, and little dinky things like that. Like Aside from that, those cameras are really good, nice and small and compact, but mm. some little teeny design uh, flaw like that can, can cause all sorts of headaches, and that, that one requires the, the whole mirror box to be pulled. And, and if you can find 3D printed bushings, you can replace them or make oh. some of your own. I've got a weird one for you. You know the Minolta SRT 101? <laughs> You know how they have this weird little cloth flap between the shutter and the mirror? Mm-hmm. I have no idea why they went with that. You're talking about on the upper top edge? Yeah, it the top down? edge. Yeah, yeah, it hangs down. And I had a, a black SRT. It was really cool. But it turns out that weird little curtain, mm-hmm. part of it flopped down. Yeah. Now there's a little metal like retaining thingy that the previous owner tried to fix it himself and didn't do a good job. And that little metal thingy is no longer there. Uh, and I'm, yeah, left, I, I'm, I'm left quizzing the people learn camera repair. What does this cloth flap do? Do we really need it? <laughs> I believe it's just intended anyway, to keep dust and debris out of that hinge area. Um, Maybe, 
Maybe not. I'm I'm not sure what the design of it is. If I'm thinking of the right piece. Well, yeah, it's it's a it weird hangs one. down and just sits on the top edge of the mirror barely, uh, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's like a weird. I, I don't know what Minolta was thinking about when they did that because like, yeah. no other camera company with a horizontal cloth shutter did that. It was like just Minolta. Like Canon didn't do it with the FTB. Olympus yeah. didn't do it with the OM1. The um, Pentax I just rebuilt. I don't know if you looked on my. Uh, I saw the SVB. Yeah, yeah, that one has it. Has oh. one of those little flaps, horizontal claw shutter as well. Yeah. So some of the older designs do, but um, yeah, it's not super common, I guess. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, if I if I if get a permanent solution, I might send. A, Send the black body along with a donor body and saying, hey, yank the mirror box out of one, throw it in the other. Yeah, yeah. Go from there because a black SRT is kind of cool. Yeah, totally. Well, all black cameras take better pictures, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> like Or, or titanium <laughs> ones. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, just trying to think what, what, what brand, uh, so say, for example, you've got, um, say someone who's looking for their first mechanical SLR. What would who would you recommend? What would you recommend to them from a point of view of a repair tech who you've seen? Well, seen a lot of interesting stuff cross your bench. Yeah, I would say stick to the earlier designs. Uh, don't try not to get too caught up in it. You know, looking at newer models just because they're newer and they should be you know, fancier and high, higher tech. It's not really needed for an entry-level camera. So mm -hmm. I like to stick to the earlier uh, generations, like the Spotmatics. I'm a big fan of, fan of the Spotmatics, the SPs or SP1000 or whatever they are, all these, or SP2, all these different versions. Oh, I love Spotmatics. But Spotmatics are built like a tank. They're so good. Um, well, they're, another... the they're the Volkswagen Beetle of cameras. Yeah, totally. And if you're a Canon fan, uh, the FTBs, can't go wrong with those. Those are I so love those. simple. Uh, they're, they're trucks. They're yeah, yeah. apocalypse cameras. Yeah. Sure. And the same thing with the knicker mat. Like I've recommended yeah. the knicker mat to friends who are in the community saying, Hey, I want to maybe get into the Nikon lens system, but I don't have a lot of money. What can I get? I said, well, look at a knicker mat F FTN. Uh, yeah. in a lot of the pre AI glass you can get on average under $200 Canadian. Yep. Per lens. Yeah, some cheaper, some slightly more expensive, depending on how oddball the the focal length is. Yep, that's exactly uh, what I was going to recommend for for Nikon. Is the Nikkor mat is great value. I mean, I just recently bought my first one, and it was forty oh. bucks. Oh, I know. It can, yeah. Honestly, if you if you spent more than a hundred, you spent too much. <clears throat> unless it's mm -hmm. the EL two, the Nikon EL two, which is they're not very common. And yeah, that that. Get, justifies the price premium a bit because they only made them for a few months. But anything else, it's sort of like, yeah, if you spent more than 110 bucks, you, you spent too much. Yeah. <laughs> also, you can't forget the FT3. Oh, Black. yeah. FT3. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the, yeah, that one. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. <laughs> You're I, most welcome. <laughs> And again, it's like uh, the other thing, another reason why I love the Nicker mat so much is that's an entry level camera. They're great in cold weather. Oh, okay, excellent. Like I've taken mine at minus twenty degrees centigrade, like Southern Ontario winter, which you know some people will laugh. They go, "Yeah, wind chill." Yeah. It's a damp cold, kids. <laughs> <laughs> you will feel it, especially if you're by Lake Ontario and the wind's coming off the lake. You're going, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, so, there's yeah. some good bargains to be had for sure. Oh, I know. And I, it's just <clears> sort of like, but again, I think a lot of people are tending. I think the it camera of the moment is the Canon AE1. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, always... I don't know, at least for the last year or year and a half seems to really be booming that model. Um, I get a lot of those. I just, I just had another two come in today with the, with the squeaky shutter issue. Oh, yeah. So yeah. The dreaded um, shutter squeal. So yeah. yeah. How are they to fix out of curiosity? Are they, they're pretty straightforward. Okay. Yeah. Issues either the, you know, squeaky shutter or there's, 
there's issues tied to the the two magnets uh, in the bottom there, either not yeah. working properly or dirty, or the wire wiring is starting to corrode through the wire. Uh, so, what's your thoughts on using like a gun oil to get rid of the squeaky shutter? Uh, this is kind of a contentious topic for sure. Um, amongst, uh, I guess you could say techs. Um, I think if you're doing this work on your own camera um, and you're, you're confident with what you're doing, I think that oil would be perfectly fine, but very little, like just a drop mm. of a pin or something, dip a, dip a pen or something in the oil and then just put a drop on there. Um, but the problems comes with the, the amount of oil, like um, <laughs> some of these YouTube videos are, are pretty bad and there's some that address this um, AE1 squeal and um, advise you to just basically flip the camera over and um, <clears throat> kind of squirt oil in, in that general area. And I don't uh, even oh, do that with my musket. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you see the amount of oil these people are just pouring in there. And that is probably the worst thing you can do because it just flings all over and gets yes. contaminates the mirror box. And yes, yeah. then they wonder oh, why the screen is cloudy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so be cautious of that and be cautious of any quick YouTube fixes, I guess. Yeah, so I guess the next question is, and again, there's probably somebody out there in the studio audience thinking, hey, I'm mechanically inclined, I've got patience, where do I go to learn how to repair cameras in the 20, this deep into the 21st century? Because some of the older repair techs, let's just say their people skills, you well, know, they can be a little special. And I remember there was a guy on Queensway who was just classic, a crank, crankatrice old man. Um, you just don't know what you were going to get when you walked into the shop. And he always had a lot of neat used cameras, but his people skills. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you're asking how, how can somebody get involved if they, if they'd like to? Yeah. Where would um, you go to start? Like, you know, it's uh, one one good Facebook uh, group is the Learn Camera Repair group. Mm -hmm. um, I used to go there a fair bit. I don't so much anymore um, because it's getting so big, and most of the people are just asking, "How do I how do I fix my camera?" Instead of like really talking in general kind of tech terms on how people can learn fundamentals. So it's kind of like they're looking for a quick fix so they can sell their camera or get it working or something. It's not necessarily, you know, how to approach kind of the bigger issues at hand, but like learn camera. Like say do a CLA on a Canon FTV. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's tutorials there. Um, the other good thing you can do is <laughs> as boring as it can be is to start digging into the service manuals for these cameras. Um, they can be, pretty tiresome to read but i've read so many of those things um and pick up a few parts bodies if you want you can always find ones that are not working on ebay or something really cheap grab mm -hmm. a service manual and start going through it and mm -hmm. uh just see see what you can do um the other thing is you, you need proper tools and lubricants and all that sort of thing to kind of go along with the repair so there's little bit of investment that comes comes along with that but mm -hmm. yeah and like i said be careful with the youtube uh, educational videos there's, there's probably a couple channels on youtube that are are pretty good but there's some that just give plain plain wrong advice that is just mm. the worst thing you want to do yeah absolutely i had my uh, nikon fm jam on the uh, film advance and I found a handful of really terrible YouTube videos and it's kind of like, that doesn't look appropriate. And then I, I hit finally on one and I was able to pop the bottom plate off and uh, was able to easily, um, easily fix the problem. And it's been running like a dream since. Oh, great. Yeah. Success story. That's good. <laughs> yeah. I've got a Chrome FM that was a bit of a, well, it is a problem child and, yeah, we've had that conversation back channel, Gary, over the years. Yeah. They're getting to the point they've crept up in value enough. I might just send it to you someday and say, shoot a roll of film through it, figure out <laughs> what the heck is wrong. Yeah. Then yeah, go to for town sure. And then tear it down to the chassis and rebuild <clears throat> if necessary. I, you know, 
Because sure. it's getting to the point, like Nikon bodies have crept up seriously in price, and it's like you know, slipping there going, eh, it tries. Yeah. It's a parts body, but it never sold. So it's like, okay, you know what? Maybe I'm just going to bite the bullet. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing I've done is um, kind of mentoring with some senior techs. I know um, two or three kind of, mm. uh, I guess, super senior uh, type technicians that are kind of willing to share and, and have me kind of follow along on some repairs they're doing and some of the more trickier stuff that I get into. Okay. Because um, there's so many nuances that aren't really covered in in the service manuals or bulletins or anything like that. It's just kind of like common knowledge, and it's really good to to learn from this. Uh, I guess you could say older gen generation. Yeah. Yeah. That that's a resource that's unfortunately disappearing rather quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good and that there is a knowledge transfer. Yeah, and some are just um, you know they're kind of at the point in their life where they're just they're like just not interested in yeah. you know sitting down to teach you how to do something that they consider so basic and and fair enough they're getting on in age and just tired and it's like uh, i don't really need that so. yeah sadly there was a local repair tech who was factory trained olympus oh really okay here in, in the sort of western gta but he doesn't want to fix film cameras anymore he doesn't think there's a market for them and it was just like Oh really? And he just wants oh, to man. fix, and he just wanted to fix electronic cameras. And I was left sitting here gobsmacked, going, "But there's a guy in the states who's busier than a one arm." Yeah, yeah, you bet he is. <laughs> and he charges, like he he, he charges some serious money. And that yep. guy was a whisperer and totally made my black OM2N better than factory spec. You know, it's just like. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, but the guy in Burlington is just like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> Whatever. You know. No, really. Yeah. yeah. I'm, just, like, I'm shocked because it was like he he was sort of like someone who helped get another repair tech a foothold in the business. Uh, the dearly departed Roger from CamTech in Hamilton. Mm. I miss that guy. He's was a wellspring of knowledge, but again, it's just sort of like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and some some people may lean towards these these more modern cameras because it's all kind of plug and play stuff, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Something's like, not working. You pop it out and replace it. Well, yeah, I think that's what this guy is. It's just sort yeah. of like, yeah, I got a digital camera. Oh, it's this. Okay, fine. I'll get the module. Pop the module in. Yep. It works. Here you go. Have a nice day. Thank you. Come again. Yep. And it's like if you get one like an OM two N, it's like it's something he probably hasn't seen in like eighteen years since he last <laughs> worked on one. It's like. I don't want to do this. Yeah. Well, even well, the challenge too is like all the specialty tools are hard to find. You know, there's mm -hmm. the the, yep. the the service centers are long <clears> gone, <throat> and it's just just surviving on you know what the repair tech managed to take when he retired or semi-retired or whatever, right? So yeah, and that's another aspect of this kind of repair business is you need to be competent at um, making your own tools when needed um, yeah. because a lot of the factory tools aren't around. So you, you have to kind of come up with things and either get whatever little milling machine, uh, you know, all different types of grinders and different uh, tooling to, to make what you need. Yeah. It certainly doesn't make it easy for another generation to get educated and trained on, on this when, you know, it's just, it's just difficult. I guess you really have to have a, a really like strong passion about it and really like doing it. Mm. And that's the one thing I wish we had a couple of more repair techs get into the business sure. in different yeah. parts of the country because it's sure. sort of like, cause the, the weird irony is Southern Ontario, even though we've got like the big ass population, it's like we recently lost our Hasselblad whisperer and and Roger's gone and and Roger's gone. And then it's like, yeah, there's a few other players, but sun camera. I don't think they want to touch see a film camera darken their doors again. At least that's what their website implies. And, you know, and there are others out there. Some people have great experience with and others less. So mm -hmm. yeah, I haven't heard of sun camera. Is that in Toronto or where? Yeah, it's in North York and they were, okay. Their factory, uh, factory service, for, I think, for a couple of brands, but oh, it's huh. just sort of like, yeah, we don't service film cameras anymore. Mm -hmm. That's what their website says. And chances are we'll get me email from saying, yes, we do still service cam film cameras, but it's like, well, if that's the case, fix the website. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, I had a curious. Um, Sunflower, I believe, isn't it? <clears throat> I don't know if he's still around. Sunflower, he's still on Lansdowne, isn't he? I oh no, idea. I think he's closed. And he's he was. He's gone. Yeah, he's he's yeah he's shut down. I think. Yeah, and then there was uh, what's his name on Lakeshore and Port Coretta, who was. Yeah, it's it's sort of again that's the problem. They're all in their seventies and up, and right. Yeah, we're getting tired. <laughs> yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Speaking of Southern Ontario, and just maybe to shift gears for a second, just talk a little bit more about your photography, Gary. Like, um, I I gotta swear, I I have like envy of for people that live on on like close to the Rockies or on one of the coastlines. Um, you know, you do a lot, like a lot of your like Instagram feed I, I see is like a lot of, um, well, the Prairie sort of um, series that you've done is really cool, but I don't see too much um, on your Instagram feed of like a lot of the landscapes and stuff in, in Calgary. And I, I would think that like, if I got a chance to spend a summer uh, or even a year in Calgary, I, it would be landscapes coming out my ears until I dropped. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah, just curious, you, is it just, you kind of just gets ordinary for you after a while or? Uh, no, I mean, I, I kind of started with, with landscape. That was my passion for many years. Um, in fact, on Instagram, <laughs> you type in uh, Gary.Clennon on Instagram, oh, okay. you'll see, you'll see, you know, hundreds of my landscape photos on there. Which, ah, okay. So I've got to go I, check that out. Yeah, yeah, you do. That'll, that'll be more up your alley for sure. Gary. Oh, okay. um, yeah, because I looked and, at, I, I, I follow Calgary Street and Lens yeah. Met. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, okay. Exactly. Gary Clennon is where the landscape is. Yeah, Good Gary. Dot Clennon. Okay, cool. Um, I haven't posted anything there in, I don't know, probably a year or two. I'm not yeah. sure, but uh, <laughs> that's yeah. where all my, my previous landscape work is and awesome. where where I kind of think um, I might be returning actually with, with all this large format stuff. I've, I've kind of gotten the bug to get more out into the mountains and, and do some more landscapes. So yeah. that's kind of where I'm focused. And also with, with the darkroom and stuff, I, I really have my, my eye on the final print now. Yeah. So um that's something that really motivates me. And I think you'll see a lot more landscape for me coming up. Are you going to focus your plan to focus a lot more on like black and white landscapes and stuff and do a lot of the processing yourself? Or are you going to explore color printing and all that stuff too? Um, I originally wanted uh, to get into color printing in the beginning, but um, I came across this big kit from a professional uh, out in Canmore um, who basically gave me everything uh, incredible, you know, four by five and larger and just everything I needed and uh black and white uh setup so that's kind of what i'm starting on and it's it's challenging enough like i i'm gonna learn that for a few years and then maybe maybe look for a color head i'm, I'm not really sure where it'll end up but yeah i love the black and white uh photography and printing it's just awesome awesome that, that's oh, great yeah. i'm looking forward to see those shots that's uh oh yeah once you get the chamonix set up and uh Go off and it's such a beautiful area in Calgary. I mean, you you know you can go up north and and like you know up near Lake Louise and it's beautiful or just right in Banff. Like I I was there for a work conference. So gosh, probably five or six years ago. And you know rather than attending the conference, I was basically out <laughs> shooting. <laughs> you know oh, that's great. Out all over the Bow River and uh, and like on the old Trans Canada. Never made it as far as Lake Louise, but. Uh, it's definitely still on my bucket list to really complete that journey. So. Mm. Oh, that's great. Yeah. If any of you ever kind of make it out my way uh, at any point in time, give me a call and uh, we'll go out shooting for sure. Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah. Same thing if you wind up in our neck of the woods. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. last time I was there, Bill, all I did was ask you for advice on which brewery I needed to, to visit. <laughs> that's, all I, that's all I asked. <laughs> what, are the, what are the best well, breweries? Well, yeah. well, next time you come, we will shoot you know, the 500 shades of gray that is Toronto and uh, we'll drink the 500 craft beers while we do it. Yeah. Oh, it sounds great. <laughs> Make a day of it. Oh, it'll be a whole weekend at least. <laughs> oh, it'll be a whole weekend. He'll forget what, boarding. Board, I'm supposed to board now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you did give me a good suggestion though, Bill. That was great. Thank you for that. Which one was it? Uh, oh, geez. I don't even remember the, the location or the name um they, they made great ipas um all i know is i was heading down there 
downtown somewhere over a big long kind of overpass bridge thing that kind of curved to the left and went along the water and then i don't know somewhere down there hmm. name name a few the guy was super nice though eastbound uh, no uh yes eastbound yeah yeah, yeah. yep That's so very so the real question i have the darkroom kit from canmore was it offered up by mike uh what's his last name uh, Mike from Canmore? <laughs> Maybe. James gets it. <laughs> and meanwhile, we lost everyone else on yeah. planet Earth going, huh? <laughs> and you know what the funny thing is? I think his name might be Mike. I'm not sure. <laughs> and, I, I'm, and I'm not joking at all. <laughs> what show was that? Is that was that SCTV? No, that was Royal Canadian Air Force. Air Force, yes, yes. Yes. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I should have caught that one because I used to watch that a lot. Well, <laughs> oh, I said it so seriously. I'm like, okay, is he doing the mic from Canmore? <laughs> <laughs> and he was. All the American <laughs> listeners are like, what are you crazy Canucks talking about? <laughs> or, or think about the Australians. They'd probably be worse. It's like, crikey, mate. Why are they talking about the Northern Hemisphere? <laughs> 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 so, um, your work, it's sort of like, a, again, you shoot both black and white in color. What, what, do you tend to, what do you tend to gravitate more towards? Um, I would say still a little bit more color, mm-hmm. um, but it's kind of evening out now with the darkroom because um, I can't print color um, in the darkroom. So i trying to shoot more black and white, but I would say still more color. Um, it really depends on what I'm doing. If I'm, I'm going for like, I still love like the classic velvet at, at sunrise or sunset. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Like just that kind of twilight is just, Oh man, the colors are just crazy in that. So yeah, especially at twilight, like those magenta and purple hues that come out of the, out of the, um, Belvia is just, yeah, nice, you know? yeah, for sure. And then I do also do a lot of night shooting, shooting at night. Yeah. So I, I, like to lean on color for that um mm-hmm. i use a lot of uh, 64t films the tungsten balance so okay. i get that kind of blue uh blue kind of yeah. i don't know semi-cinematic type look uh, going right. on but uh i really like that that type of thing and, but... and sort of abuse the gas station at night cliche that <laughs> only I... if he's shooting cinestill 800t Exactly. Yeah. Which I don't shoot. Yeah. Just well, you can take a drive for a few hours and shoot grain elevators in the twilight. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not, uh, I, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of the, the, the red blobs, but uh, some people make it work really well with that 800T. It kind of yeah. depends. Like I've shot with it in the past and sort of urban night photography. Yeah. So again, no gas stations. Yeah. <laughs> and some of the stuff I find either hit it right out of the ballpark or it kind of you left sitting there going yeah yeah i find if it's a if it's a scene with no no point light sources in it yeah um and it's just all just kind of low light stuff it looks amazing though just incredible yeah Yeah. so i guess it's sort of like yeah it's i don't know I'm, i'm looking forward to seeing what uh film tech or the people behind Orwell were going to do when they introduce more color film. I don't know. Yeah. What yeah. Probably start in 35 mil and work their way up. Mm-hmm. Well, we know they have the capacity to do 120. Oh, there you go. Even better. And I, for one, look forward to some uh, variety in the market because right now it's, mm. it's a little skinny. Because right now it's the Kodak show, pretty much for yeah. 120 in color. Yeah. Are you uh, are you developing your own color uh, at home, Gary? Or yeah, yeah, develop uh, basically everything, um, yeah. black and white, uh, negative and positive film. So yeah, good to go. And how are you scanning all that uh, output? Are you using like a uh, an Epson flatbed, or are you going yeah. to DSLR with a copy stand route, like? No, I'm resisting the DSLR. I'm I'm like old school here, so yeah, uh-huh. I've got the uh, I've got the Epson. What is it here? V700 Photo mm. um, and Silverfast, and I just like to I like to just select the frames and just click scan and go away yeah. for 15 minutes and come back and reload. Um, mm. Makes life easy. Yeah, yeah, oh, I, I yeah. like it. 
and I could get good scans as long as you're not dealing with real curly film. You're, you're yeah, good. True. Yeah. Cupping film is uh, the yeah. bane of my existence. Like <laughs> I've got, I just processed two rolls of Acros and one twenty yesterday. They're between two books right now. Cause there's just, you know, Oh really? Mm. Okay. I thought Acros was fairly good. At least the old stuff seemed decent. Yeah. The, the old stuff's been fine for me. Depends just, on, depends on your humidity level. Yeah, yeah right. I think that's my situation. My humidity level in the base because you know I dry it in the basement in the furnace room. So yeah, the the condo I'm in is fairly dry, and even some of the film that used to cup like mad dries nice and flat for me now. And I'm of course talking about Triax. Oh how oh, Triax! Yeah, I've just... given up on that film. <laughs> I, I love terrible. I love stuff. the results. Yeah. Just get the lab to scan it. Yeah, I recently, well, uh, I also have a cool scan five that I can lean on as well. So. Yeah, oh, nice. Yeah, I recently uh, came across a, a great deal from a friend. Uh, well, you guys probably have heard Todd Quirrell's uh, YouTube channel there on large format stuff, but oh, yeah, he yeah. Um, he sold me a film drying cabinet for an incredible price, which is pretty awesome. I don't know if you guys have one of those or no, one. I, but... I've been looking for one, but like, if you can find one. Yeah, totally. It's like, it's like in, you know, godforsaken Idaho and, you know, on eBay and it's, you know, about, you know, 900 bucks to buy the film dryer and then 9,000 to have it shipped to Toronto. So yeah, you know, yeah totally. like, if I, but if I can find one locally, I would snap it up even if I had to pay a premium for it. Yeah. The yeah. big problem is I don't know when there'll be another camera show. Uh, I, mean, I think the fall, I think we're going to be definitely at- October. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that'd be- I can see end of October. Yeah, that's my. Thought. I can see the big one going on at the end of October. I, oh, I think be we're going to have uh, family Thanksgiving again in October. I think that's mm-hmm. be a reality mm-hmm. for a lot of folks. Yep. Yeah. Which I is don't know if you guys have. Ca- I don't know if you have camera shows out in Calgary. They're kind of so like Canada. No. Like they're just, uh, they're just used, used camera swap meets basically. Yeah. I mean, I would love to go to some of those, but, um, since I've been here, I haven't seen one. Maybe I'm, I'm not looking in the the right place. Um, we have a couple decent ones up here and there's, there's a couple of guys, one guy in particular out of Detroit, Abraham Vinegar. Ah, yes. This guy, I don't know how he does it, but he sources the most obscure, hard to find things. And sells them at a at a at a fair price. Yeah, and, and you can actually, I mean, you know, in in the in you know in in BC before COVID, um, you could send him an email and say, "Hey Abraham, I'm looking for this, this, and this. Can you bring it up to the show in Toronto when you come up?" And he goes, "Yeah, I'll try to find it." And then there it is. Goes up with it like it's if it's old Polaroid pack film or you know I don't know if he can find that much anymore, but. Like a lot of those, you know, obscure films, obscure lenses, camera bodies, things like that. Just hard to find things. The guy's just really good at it. Wow, mm-hmm. That's amazing. I was um, down at, I don't know if you've heard of the film experience uh, kind of used camera store. It's in Longview, which is, uh, that's about an hour or so to hear. Um, tons I've of stuff. i heard of it. Yeah, I think um, Sherry. I, 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 I was going to say, I heard Sherry uh, talk yeah. about it on, the, on her podcast. Uh, yeah, she's been there a few times, I think. Um, but um, I was talking to him. I had to buy, buy some chemicals, so I, I was by his place last week. And he usually drives down to Arizona with his big truck okay. and uh, spends, I think, two months there. Just kind of he has a cabin down there or something. And then he buys all the gear he can and just hauls yeah. it back. Yeah. And um, he's saying the last uh, few years have been pretty slim pickings. Like he sees it getting less and less for the yeah. stuff that he can find and that people are selling. So yeah, uh, that could be a sign of the times. I'm not sure. Well, that is the effect of, of global gas. Yeah. <laughs> Tell well, me about yeah. It. yeah. It's like. Uh, Except for Japan. Japan seems to be like the last, um, you know, center of, uh, of, used analog bodies but you pay a premium for them well you can you can find good deals yeah Yeah. you just gotta be patient and read between the lines you know i I hear a lot of like some some people have some issues with ebay japan everything i've ever ordered touch wood off ebay japan has been exactly as advertised i've never had a bad experience 
Yeah. I've never had a bad experience either. Like I ordered a DP12 meter head to turn an F2A into an AS. Yeah, my problem was dealing with FedEx and you know they wanted their taxes and duty. And I was like, okay, I'll go to Mr. Yeah. pay for it. It's the box, come home, open it up. And it's like, okay, this thing looks almost mint. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's great. Popped it on the camera, bang, the meter works like a gem. And it's like, yes, I'm a happy lad. Perfect. As, as far as like used camera stores, like we're lucky that we've got Burlington camera in Burlington, Ontario. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to drop by there, but I, I think I was there on a Monday and I think they're closed or something. Oh, yeah. Yes. They're, they're closed on Mondays. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Sunday and Mondays. That's their weekend. Yeah. And then there's a new, there's a company out that used to be in Ottawa. They've gone virtual, but I'm getting the impression they're almost getting a storefront in Perth. Ontario, yep. which is yes, sort of, I saw that. Which is sort of between Kingston and Ottawa, which is kind of a little bit off the beaten path for. Mm. Is it? Well, it's a bit of a drive from Toronto. <laughs> well, yes, I mean, if you're if you're out there, it's worth a stop. If you're it's worth a stop. If you're if you're, if, I, if I was going to Ottawa to visit cousins, <laughs> sure, I'm stopping in. I'm probably gonna. Photograph the small town and check the store out. And uh, drop too much cash as usual. Yeah. Yeah, it is about halfway between Ottawa and Kingston. Oh, there you go. There you go. And it's a part of Ontario I'm not totally familiar with because generally, if I road trip to Ottawa, I just hang a left at the 417 and go north. <laughs> 416. 416, sorry. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So Gary, as a guy who's like seen pretty much like every camera known to mankind come across his uh, bench or quite a few of them anyway, what's on your bucket list? What's Gary's bucket list uh, for cameras look like right now? That's a tough one. Um, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to be able to kind of uh, buy whatever um, I've been interested in just by um, fixing, selling cameras, saving up properly and kind of pinching my pennies where needed. Um, but I don't know. Um, there's not a lot. Um, I do still want to try the um, Fuji 617. I, that, I was um, took the words right out of my yeah. mouth. Oh, I, yeah. Because I had, um, I bought an old 617. It was like a, it was called Toyo um, Tomayama something. Okay. And uh, it's like kind of an all metal old school design, just a beast. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun. I mean, I enjoyed that. It was a new challenge, framing yeah. in that aspect ratio. And, oh, yeah. And uh, it put that type of a, a negative on on slide film, like Velvet or something. It, oh, it put gosh. that put on the light table. It's just gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> so that's well, one I'd like to try. Especially in your neck of the woods, too. Like a six seventeen would just be a dream. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Totally. Oh, that just hit people in the face. You <laughs> 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 see that image? Yeah. Like in, throwing it up on Instagram, we <laughs> almost sacrilege because people are just looking at it on a phone or maybe a tablet, where you see, almost want to like a. A big print on the wall. Yeah, I think I'm yeah, gonna yeah. rent one. Uh, there's a little shop here in in Toronto called Film Plus, and um, they actually I have I, I haven't actually I don't know for sure. It's just on their website, but they they have listed a 617 available for rent. Oh wow, oh. that'd be worth it. So I think I'll uh, you know just plop down a couple hundred bucks or whatever it is to to rent it for the weekend and go yeah. get it out of my system and see if it's something I really want to. You for know, sure spend spend like a money on yeah yeah <laughs> and i guess another one i i'd like to try out i'm not sure if i'd buy is the um hasselblad um uh, swc i think it is oh yeah yeah oh, oh yeah. those are wonderful yeah, yeah, oh little... those are great yeah you've tried one alex i did um back when they were building a new section of um the college i work for sheridan the oh. uh, learning commons where i ironically work in that part the they were doing the official photographs on an swc okay wow so. yeah i think it's um yeah I, I think it'd be fun to try and kind of see what you can create with that type of a mm -hmm. camera but there's no yeah. uh, metering on those is there like it's all just like uh i thought i, I saw i don't think there is yeah 
because it's basically like, uh, isn't it kind of like a lens board and a bag bellows kind of thing? Or Pretty much. Yeah, because I thought I saw somebody had one for sale, but it looked like it had one of those more modern Hasselblad backs with the, you know, exposure controls on the side um, for the aperture priority Hasselblad system, whatever that is. Some of them don't even have a bag bellows. Yeah, I think it's just a box. A little. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just looking at some photos online of it right now. Yeah, I thought it was just basically a lens, a finder. It it looks like a, it, yep. yeah, it, it it looks like a Hasselblad where the box has been chopped in half, and it looks like a one inch deep lens board. Yeah, the yeah. Hasselblad back on it. And I think it's a yeah, it's a fixed. Um. Uh, fixed uh, 30 38 something. milli 38 yeah. millimeter at 4.5 by again. Yeah, 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 that would be a nice toy. Yeah, yeah, just enough room for a um hand crank. Yeah, to advance. That's about it. So, what what is the uh 35 millimeter equivalent then of that focal length? Do you know? Hmm, maybe some there's someone in the audience that uh is an SWC uh, aficionado. Very yeah. cool camera though. Yeah, pretty neat little thing. Yeah, just, yeah. <clears throat> Talk about a cool like travel landscape camera to just like, you know, take camping with you. I mean, a little mm. expensive, but. Uh, yeah. I knew somebody. Uh, it's probably about um, uh, just a little bit more than a 17 millimeter because 30 millimeter on six by six is 17 and 35. Okay. Oh wow. So it's wide. Yeah. Probably uh about so 20, gonna... 20 millimeter, I'd say. Wow. And that's gonna be like kind of twenty millimeter square too, right? So you're gonna get this yeah. vertical uh um uh uh angle of view as well, right? So yeah, and yeah. your straight lines yeah. are straight. Like Damn it, it is giving me gas now. Beautiful. <laughs> Well, they're beautiful. I mean, beautiful cameras. And apparently that lens is super good. Yeah. Well, I can imagine too, like, especially with an, uh, with that wide of a focal length, like the sharpness must probably be really good. Yeah. Mm. You have to almost look for um, subject matter for that to work. Like it's not like it's yeah. purpose built. So it's like you can't use it for every shot, but it's, so I probably wouldn't go out there with just that, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Landscape, yeah, I, architecture, what stuff I, like that. What I would like to find is a, a camera other than large format that shoots six by twelve. I love that aspect ratio for for panos. I don't know. Are you guys aware of anything? Like I know you can get these different backs for for large format that you can switch. Other than a Lomography nine, Bel Air. Yeah, that's like, what I was gonna say. Doesn't Lomo make one? Um, yeah, the Bel Air, but. It is not a fun camera to use. I've <laughs> I've shot a couple of rolls through it, and it was just like Nee-h. very flimsy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's the impression. I was, uh, I was looking at uh, one of those uh, six seventeen backs for my four by five, like the the ones I think they're like made in China or something. They're on eBay. I forget yes. what what brand they are uh yeah i don't know i guess i have to find somebody that's used one but uh i guess the advantage with those two is they come with a ground glass don't they so then you can focus them a little bit more accurately i don't know yeah yeah i'm not sure how they work but i'm I'm, like i like that idea i'm just not sure i would use it much if it was an adapter style for my four by five i'm just Mm -hmm. not sure if that would if that would jive with me i'm not sure yeah I'd rather have the real thing too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. All right. Stop thinking about that because I'm going to, I'm going to empty a bank account or something. Okay. Maybe this is where we kind of call it and call it a, call it a, call it a podcast episode. So we don't send James into bankruptcy court. (laughs) (laughs) But speaking of speaking of sending us into bankruptcy, um, if you haven't been living under under a, a rock, um, back at the um, about middle of uh, June, um, Stephen Dowling released a uh, new Kickstarter for um, his new 400 speed film, Agent Shadow. Um, so we'll include a link to that Kickstarter in the uh, 
in the episode notes um, as of the recording right now, which is the day before the official launch. He's already standing at about 5,500 Canadian. So head on over there and grab it. It's a 400 speed film. We are still not 100% aware of what the actual film stock is, but I'm sure all will be revealed. But so it's, I, man, the packaging. The packaging oh, is, even absolutely. More go- is even more gorgeous than Cosmo Mono 100. If you're, oh, it's, if wow. you're, it's if, film if noir. Graphic desi- if you're a graphic design nerd, you will love this. <clears throat> film noir. Think Cold War film noir. Think Third okay. Man. Absolutely. So the rain's so hard it could wash the anti-halation layer off of any film. I was going to say, <laughs> a bowl of cornflakes and a glass full of contrast? <laughs> no, actually, it's it looks quite nice, yeah. even pushed all the way to uh, 6,400. Okay, cool. Hey, well, look, I mean, if you're looking for a film noir look, then grain is good, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. Absolutely. Mm. That's good so, news. On that note, Gary, where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram at Calgary underscore street or also on Instagram, LensMedicYYC. Okay. Nice. And on that note, this is Bill Smith from the Classic Camera Revival. Stay cool and shoot tons of film because it's the summertime. Hmm. All right. And I'm Alex Lokes. Just because your camera's a little beat up doesn't mean with a little bit of love it can keep shooting for years to come. This is James Lee. Before you experiment and make three bags of cameras, call Gary. <laughs> and Gary got to come up with something <laughs> wittier. Oh uh, yeah. More nutty or whatever. Okay. Innuendo. This is Gary Clennon. As with a few things in life, you may find a bit of lubrication really helps move things along. <laughs> he fits right in. <laughs> no more squeaky shutter. You guys are really the best at those, though. Come on. (laughs) That's probably my favorite part of the show. (laughs) Zoom Lens episode. (laughs) 